Ready to get in the Word? Yeah. Buckle your seatbelts, because it's going to be a ride today. So look at your neighbor and say, get ready, because we don't know what he's about to do. Make that scary face, like, because you know I can go anywhere I choose to go at this moment. But before I go anywhere, let me serve you a warning. I'm going to challenge every fiber of who you are today. If you didn't come to be challenged, if you look for a pat on the butt and a good game, this is the wrong place. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm not here to hurt you either. I'm here to challenge you, motivate you, encourage you to march forward with the things that God has called us to be and to do. And so I need you just to get ready. I need you to prepare yourself. Because this morning, I have come to deal with the current condition and culture of our country. Oh, you see, I got amens a minute ago. And then when I said that, everyone went, oh, God, here he goes. Pastor, you're not going to preach a sermon about the Saints game on Sunday? No, I'm not. I'm going to play the video up here and let you watch it like ESPN's been playing it for the last week. I didn't come to deal with all that stuff because all of that doesn't mean anything in the course of existence as believers. It means nothing to the church. It means nothing to God's plan or purpose in the earth. It means nothing to what's happening. But there are things that have been going on that the church has become silent, deadly silent to dealing with. Unfortunately, it is not God's voice that needs to speak. It is yours because God speaks through you. I stand here in this place this morning to speak truth and not opinion. To declare the word regardless of whether or not you choose to receive it or be offended by it. I've come with a mission and I need you to decide right now to not only listen, but receive what God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want to speak to what you think you know or what, you've, what your assumptions are or what your opinions are. God wants to speak something to your now and your present situation. So this morning before I get into this because I need to make sure you're with me, are you ready to go down this street? Good. Because this last week in news, it's been crazy. Government shutdown ends after 35 days with a three weeks depending on what happens next. And before you get caught up on whether I'm going to go political or unpolitical or tell you what I think, I'm not here to tell you what I think. I have my thoughts, but that doesn't mean anything because I'm, I'm operating in God's kingdom right now. I can have opinions all day long, but I don't need to stand at this place and call it a soapbox to voice my opinions in matters of life that have nothing to do with affecting the kingdom of God. That's a sidebar. But there are things that need to be addressed. A young man from Ascension Parish just the other night killed five people. Caught him in Virginia late last night, early this morning. He killed his mama, or he killed his parents and his girlfriend and two other people. But we don't talk about that. Uh, we tend to, be, have, have tend to be locked down all week long on this blown call from Sunday. While the rest of the world is doing things that we're ignoring because we're lost, because we feel cheated when babies are being aborted. <laughs> it gets quiet in this Presbyterian church real quick. Pastor, you're really going to go there. <laughs> I told you to buckle your seatbelt. Because I didn't come to play nice because what has blown my mind all week long, and I'm going to tell you this, the only reason I'm willing to preach this message is because my wife is not sitting in this room. <laughs> because I will tell you, my wife sat right there, over there in that chair while we watched the game on that big screen. And when that kick went through those field goals, my wife's jaw went like this, and she just sat there in disbelief. And then I watched the world go to social media and just lose their minds. I watched believers curse each other out on social media because they had a different opinion than what a Saints fan did. 
And I agree with you, just so you understand, I agree that the call was botched. I agree. I agree all kinds of stuff. I agree the game should be replayed. I agree because I'm a fan. But the truth of the matter is, is that over the week we have been so in, enamored and, and so, so bent on this thing that we have missed what is happening in the culture right underneath our noses. And we are saying nothing. We are just sitting idly by and going, but a football game. Man. How many games has the Saints lost? Nobody was in this belly aching mode when we were putting paper bags on our heads. But because we got stolen, we got, we got robbed. As if you had an invested interest and it cost you something. As if it mattered to the kingdom of God. Do you think God's in heaven going, well, you know, stop everything else. The saints lost. See, y'all don't like me right now. I told you you weren't going to like me today. I told you. Pastor, you, you got to stand up for the saints. I will. The saints of God and the unborn ones. I'll stand up, but I'm not going to stand up for what you think I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to sit here and voice certain things that you want me to voice because you want me to stand on your soapbox and join it. Listen, that soapbox is small enough. I don't need to stand on it with you. No one hears you anyway. But this is what the church has become, a social voice box for uh, unworthy issues. We don't declare the truth anymore. We declare emotion and opinion. We don't declare the word of God. We declare mismatched scripture. And call it the gospel. We take pieces from this book and pieces from this book, smack them together and go, here's what God's saying. Liar. Because if you have to skip lines, it's not God. We, we have omitted and deleted the Old Testament because we say we're not under law. And I've told you this before. If you get rid of the Old Testament, anyone over the age of 60 and over, you have to die today. Because your voice and your thoughts and your wisdom is unvaluable in this moment. It is amazing to me where the church culture has gone to because we sit in our homes and we say, man, we love God, but we are a voiceless church. This country was founded with the church having a voice. No longer does the church have a voice. Muhammad has a voice. Allah has a voice. But we are sitting in buildings going, well, what's God going to do next? I don't know. You tell me because he's waiting on you. I, I was, I was, I was, uh, I got to be careful so I don't jump my notes. I was frustrated this week when I watched believers who are in ministry sit here and botch a moment that they could declare God in the earth in a moment where culture has decided to do something that is so egregious and so against God's commandments, but yet we sit there and go, oh, I'll hold you and I'll hug you and I'll, I'll just be there for you and I'll accept your decisions. No. I can love you and hold you, but I don't have to accept the decision. I say, well, it's, it's, it's human rights and blah, blah, blah. What about God's rights? It's been a crazy week. And that's not to mention all the other stuff that you dealt with personally. But before you get lost this morning at what has happened over the week, before we ask the question, what is the world coming to, or even what is wrong with people, I need to ask you this question. Where do we stand in the midst of everything going on in the world? When decisions are made, does the world consult the church? Or does the world just go, they're not a voice. Why do we need them? Can I tell you what we've become good at? Just praying. We're not the majority. We've become the minority. 
Everything inscribed in our country says, in God we trust. In God we trust. It's become a lie because most churches don't even trust God. Most churches are filled with people who sit in rooms and placate the game, masquerade as believers when they're nothing more than religious paupers. They claim a God on Sunday because it benefits the emotional space on the inside of them. But when given an issue on a Monday, they regress from the space because it's not my place to make an assessment or a statement based on my word. I don't want to offend anybody. Let me help you with something. If you are a believer in this room, your decisions to stand with the word of God will offend those who disagree. But here is the problem with culture. You're not allowed to have a thought process. You're not allowed to have a statement in the game if it doesn't match what the enemy is trying to do. It is amazing to me how I can say I stand for this and the world goes, well, you're not loving like Jesus. I can't have an opinion, but you can take it on a whole other road and I can't say you're wrong. I can't shine light into a situation. No, I just have to sit back and take it. And you hear statements like this. Well, it's just the times. Could you imagine if they'd have just said it was the times when Jesus was born? We wouldn't have had Jesus. He'd have been killed. Somebody posted the other day on, on social media, says when Jesus was born, the government tried to kill him. Same government, different demons. Oh, pastor, don't go here. Why? Why? Because you're uncomfortable? Because you have an opinion? Because you have a thought? Does your opinion and your thought line up with the word? Does it line up with God? Because let me help you with something. Let me just give this to you ahead of time. If your thoughts and your opinions are contrary to the word, then do not declare God to be your God. Because you cannot go against your God and still declare the benefits of your God. You cannot go, well, God, I like you in this area, but I don't like you in this area. So I'm not going to listen to you in here, but I'm going to hold on to this one right here. As long as you give me what I want. But God, this is kind of tough. This is what we're doing now. We are dividing the church. We are dividing the word. We are, we're not rightly dividing the word. We're dividing. We're segregating the word. God, go to the back of the bus on this issue. You don't deserve to be in the front on this one. Where does the church stand? Where do you stand as a believer? Over the week, I've watched believers and unbelievers weigh in on issues. I've watched people distort the truth, add pieces, waver in their stances, and submit to what we know to be contrary to the word of God. I've seen people attack and be attacked while forgetting that they once too made bad choices and decisions. I've watched believers waver in the fear of being what the world would call confrontational when all it is is standing up for what you believe. I have seen a lot this week, but once again, where do we stand? I found out over the last few weeks that the church as a whole is divided. Some think one way, others think another. The mission of the church is being divided, and because of that, it is being hindered. It is being, the doors are being closed. Do you understand that it is a, it is a Barna study group that eight to ten churches close per week? Do you understand that if this trend does not stop, the, the country that we live in will be churchless? Which will eventually be godless, which is a trick of the enemy to snuff out the voice of God because you are the voice of God. If we're not careful, we're in underground churches like other countries. The church used to be a voice and has now become a whimper. And I'm telling you today, this has to change. We have to take our place on the stage of life, and we must be a voice to the voiceless. Not just to the ones that are unborn, but the ones who do not understand yet and do not know what to say. 
We must declare his word in everything and over everything. We must stop sitting back waiting for someone else to set up, but take up our place and see our country, our city, and our state come back to the things of God. I'm going to try that one one more time because that was five, and I know I got more than five in this room. We must stop sitting back, waiting for someone else to step up, but take our place and see our country, our state, and our city come back to the things of God. The church must rise again. But here's what I've discovered over the last few weeks. We're split into two types of people. And just because of the debacle last Sunday, I'm going to use some pieces to help you see it. Because we're either referees or team members. We either blatantly see what's going on and dismiss it. Or we run down the sidelines screaming and shouting because it's egregious and against what should be. We're either team players in the kingdom of God or we've just become blind refs in the moments of life. We either spend our life calling fouls and keeping track of time or we spend our lives as part of a team, as part of a family, as part of the kingdom of God. I've discovered that both of these people have something in common because they both carry a thing on Sundays that we love to tell them to throw and that's called a flag. In this life, you can either throw a foul flag or you can throw a challenge flag. It's amazing to me that the church has become really good at throwing foul flags. He hurt me, foul. He said something about me, foul. I don't like the way he looked at me, foul. Wait, hold on, I got a better one for you. The pastor didn't say good morning to me, foul. I can't go to that church anymore because he didn't smile at me. I'm not Jesus. You didn't come for me. Get over it. It's amazing to me. We have, we have created a culture of penalties. Come on, work with me for a second. You know, you know what the greatest flag you carry? Social media. Oh. Why? Why is his life better than mine? Why is she so much prettier than me? Why is her house so much bigger? Because she copped it off of a website and posted and lied to you because she lives in a shed. <laughs> Jesus. Why? Why, God? Why not me? That's what the church sounds like today. A bunch of whining, whimpering, sissified weenies. And the world looks at us and goes, why do I want to follow that? Why? Where is the boldness of a believer? Where is the faith of a believer? Where does he say, hey, it doesn't matter what comes my way. God is still in charge and has me in his hands. We've missed it. We have become the whimpering, whining peanut gallery of existence. I have to edit sometimes when I'm preaching. Amen. Certain things just can't say. Amen. But pastor, but pastor, you know, you know, on that Sunday, they should have thrown a, they should have thrown a flag. That's the problem. It's because we have been conditioned to live in penalties. We have been conditioned to live with complaints. We have been conditioned to run around our lives crying foul. Instead of crying by faith, 
Referees carry a yellow flag. They don't carry a challenge flag. They don't. It's even gone so far as now there is a concession of referees that sit in New York during every game and oversight the judgment of the refs. Can you tell me that's not a broken system? And yet we're, 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 we're throw, throw the flag. See, listen, you're either going to be a foul flag guy or you're going to start to be a challenging flag. I was having this conversation with my brother yesterday because he, he called and told me, he's like, bro, man, it's been a rough week. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you live in Colorado. Shut up. <laughs> man, I watched that game. I looked at my family. Like, y'all just can't talk for the next hour and a half. I can't listen to y'all because I'm upset. <laughs> and I get it. You're a fan. I understand. But, but I'm like, bro, you, you even live in Louisiana. Like, what are you freaking out about? <laughs> Calm down. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, but it's the whole time while he's talking, I'm going, man, I understand. I get it. Because I've learned over the week, just don't fight a Saints fan that's depressed right now because you will get cussed out. <laughs> I don't care if you're the pastor. You and so, and so we were sitting there talking, and, and, and he was just like, man, it just, he's like, man, just let, 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 the rep, let them do it, like, let them change the rules and blah, 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 and yada, yada. Okay, whatever. I was like, all right, I got to move on. But the truth of the matter is, is that we don't throw this flag. You know why we don't throw this flag? Because it's based on you, not on them. When you throw this flag in a game, it is because you believe that the call that was made was wrong. And you put your whole team at stake by throwing this flag. So I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going, no, no, no. Pastor, God, I thank you for giving me a challenge flag, but I ain't using it yet. I'm not going to use that. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going I'm I'm to get mad because the ref didn't throw the yellow flag. I'm going to get mad because the world doesn't throw the yellow flag and scream penalties and yell out and scream. But the truth of the matter is that we have to walk away from this thing because this is what the church has turned into. A bunch of foul-throwing believers. Screaming out when we don't like certain things. You might not like what I preach. Foul. The truth of the matter, it wasn't a foul. It was right. You just didn't want to be changed. You, 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 you ever watch a game and you watch a coach that wants, to, wants a foul really bad and you're watching the play and you're like, boy, there was no foul. It's because they've learned how to manipulate the system. It's like watching soccer, watching people flop. It's the funnest thing I love to watch. You watch them, they don't even touch them. Oh, God, they fall out like they caught the Holy Ghost. You know, and you're like, what? Are you kidding me? But you now watch it in the NFL and the NBA because what we've done, what we've done is we have learned how to manipulate the penalty in order for it to benefit where we stand. And that's the same thing the church is doing is we've learned how to manipulate the penalty and cry foul instead of crying out by faith and standing strong because God has got a plan in all of it. So this morning I want to preach to you a message called throw the flag. I've gone through and looked at some videos. I've seen some funny things of how coaches throw the flag. I've seen different ones. You get the angry coach. He'll like like chuck it at a referee. You want want me to throw it at somebody? I can, Pastor Dylan. I'm just kidding. Um, He'll throw it as hard as he can. Or you get that confident coach that knows it's about to be overturned. He just goes out. He walks out feeling like this. He goes. And just watches. As everybody kind of just watches him throw the flag because he's confident in it. That this is the truth of it. I'm trying to get the church to a place where you go in confidence because you know what God said. That you get rid of the foul flag and you step into the place where you're willing to throw the challenge flag, that you're willing to speak up, that you're willing to declare. This morning, I want to clarify God's position on this issue. I want to give it to you straight from the word of God. 
But before I can ask you that, before I can deal with that, do you believe the word of God? Do you believe it from cover to cover? Because if you omit the Old Testament, you can't receive the New Testament. I'm going to, we're a New Testament church. That is the most foolish bunch of garbage I've ever heard in my life. We're a New Testament church. So what would you do with the Old Testament? Well, I just don't read that part. When I go to read my Bible, I just skip all the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't even read that part. That's the law. I'm, I'm, I'm under grace now. Grace only came because of the law. Hello. You better get it in your system. You better start to understand. You better start to read it because you can't have one without the other. I said it. I'll say it again. If you want the New Testament without the Old Testament, then kill all the old people. And we will be the most flip-flop church on the planet. But I will tell you this. If you're going to kill all the old people, you're going to have to kill me because I believe it too. You cannot have one without the other. So if you believe in the word of God, then good. And you won't have a problem with the things I'm about to show you. Because everything I'm about to show you is straight out of Scripture. Not out of Brian's opinions. Not out of my beliefs in my private time. Not out of my prayer time. This is straight Bible. I have read this in four different translations to make sure that I did not miss one single word in translating this. So that you understand and I understand. So you're going to walk out with wisdom today and then you're going to choose. You're going to make a decision. Because it's time that the church makes a decision and sticks with it. It's time that we as believers stop wavering in the face of the world and start becoming a voice in the world. But before we go any further, I need you to go with me to Joshua chapter 24. The book of Joshua chapter 24. And I'm going to read this for time's sakes. In verse 14, it says this. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Serve him what? With just some of my heart. With just a little bit of my heart. Serve him what? Wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped. Oh, Jesus. When they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. In other words, when they lived in bondage. This is Joshua speaking to the Israelites. Get rid of their bondage. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you'll serve. This is the great part about God is that he lets you choose. He doesn't force you into a relationship. He gives you an option. The truth of the matter is, though, you wouldn't be talking to God if you liked the option you picked the first time. You wouldn't even be communicating because you realize that a life without the creator is a meaningless life. But a life with the creator is a great life. And so you're stuck at that impasse of trying to figure out why things aren't working in your life. And you've come back to the creator. And he says, listen, I'm not going to force you into this relationship. I'm not going to beat you down to get you to serve me. I'm going to give you a choice. He says, choose you this day. Choose today whom you'll serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Would you prefer your bondage of the past? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? As for me and my house, me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. So as pastor of this house, I'm declaring that over this house. Amen. As for me and this house, yeah. we're going to serve God. You want to serve God, don't come. See, here's the other part that I had to deal with in writing this message. I had to be willing to preach this out of the, the concern. I won't say fear because I didn't give it fear. Out of the concern that you might not like what I say. And you might go, you know, this isn't the church for me. If you walk out of here today, by the time I'm done, and you say, this is not the church for me, then tell God he's not the God for you. That's right. Amen. Because you are caught up in a man delivering a message rather than the scripture that I'm giving to you this morning. That's right. You are caught up in man's thoughts rather than what the word of God says and decrees over you as a believer. And it is time. Listen, when you take a job, they give you rules, right? Yeah. What happens if you don't do the rules? Right. You're not a part of the team. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to me. We claim God, but we do not do what God says. So I'm going to give it to you this morning. Are you ready? Yeah. See, y'all look at me like I'm stupid this morning because pastor don't go there. No, I, no, you're going you're gonna, to. Yes, I've come to convict you Amen. and evict you. 
I'm serving notices and pink slips today for you to get out your shed of living and step into the palace that God's calling you to, but you're going to have to accept the responsibilities. You're going to have to accept it because this is not popular teaching in the church anymore. But those who are teaching it otherwise are slowly closing their doors. Here it comes. Fear the Lord. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, choose today whom you'll serve. But as for this house, we'll serve the Lord. Go down to verse 21. You can go and read between these verses. I'm not skipping any scripture. You can go and read these verses. But I want to go down to verse 21 for the sake of time. It says, but the people answered to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. No, we will serve the Lord. Man, I'm believing God for a church that will declare that. No, we will. We won't waver. We won't be weeny, wimpy, mamby-pamby, edit, sissified, limp-wristed believers who meow like kittens instead of roar like lions. We won't be that church. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Not give lip service on a Sunday and then do whatever we want on a Monday. No, because we understand that God sees everything. But the people answered to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness. What happened to your word being your word? For the Bible says that your name has more riches than rubies and gold, more than choice silver. But yet, when we say yes to God, we don't hold true to our yes, as if, we, as if our name has no value any longer. For the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right, then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. <laughs> In other words, clean up your house. Because some of the things we keep in our houses are contrary to the kingdom. Some of the things that we hold on to are contrary to God's plan and his purpose in our lives. And we are running around going, we're godly. No, we're not. We are a masqueraded person claiming godliness. No one knows the real us because we're hiding. It's amazing to me. He, says, he goes on and says, that the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will Pastor, why'd you have to use that word? Obey? I gotta obey? If you love, you do. If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you'll obey Him. Let me help with something. When my kids have a problem with obedience, they have a heart condition towards me. Judah, can I get an amen? Amen. He knows. And the first thing we deal with when he's disobedient is the condition of his heart towards me as his dad. It is not an anger thing. I don't go down and beat him. I'm going to beat submission into you, and I'm going to get you to love me with all your heart while I wear out your backside. Do I? Look, he's over there covering his face. No, I don't do it. Do I holler sometimes? Amen. But, but what we do is we talk, and I find out what's going on in him that makes him think a certain way to be disobedient. Now, like every 11, 12, 13, 14, 22, 63-year-old, we get that same excuse, I forgot. Son, why didn't you clean your room? I forgot. Son, why didn't you put your clothes? I forgot. Man, my Lord, we got to go get a, a, a lobotomy or something, man. We got to find out what's wrong. I just forgot. I get it. I understand. I was the same kid. I did it when his age. He's doing it now, and I get to ride the ride. Amen. 
But the truth of the matter is that I have to deal with the heart. The problem is, is that we don't want God to deal with the heart. We want God to deal with our pockets. Fill my pockets, God, but don't touch my heart. Fill my pockets. Fill my house. Give me what I want, but don't touch my heart. That's mine. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him. Put that scripture back up. Put that, put that last verse back up because we missed a word. Him what? Alone. Who? Oh, so I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to obey what the world tells me we have to believe. I'm going to obey the word of God and that alone. I'm going to stand on the word of God and that alone. Oh, that challenge flag is getting bigger. You must pick what you'll stand for. Stand for righteousness or for convenience and comfortability? It's your choice, but you have to choose. God has not called you to be a referee. He's called you to join the team. But in order to do this, you must understand your responsibility in this. You have a part to play. You can't go around pregame taking pictures like this. That creates question. Enough for me to post on social media and go, things that make you go, hmm. The truth of the matter is, is that this is what we do. We call ourselves a part of the team, but we're caught with referee jerseys. We come into church with referee jerseys and whistles, calling fouls. He's singing too loud. <laughs> Worship went too long. Wait, I got a better one for you. Here it goes. It's cold in here. <laughs> y'all think I don't know what y'all do, amen. I'm the pastor, I'm not blind, amen. I couldn't find a parking place. I had to walk. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, here's a good one. Does he not realize what time lunch starts around here? You're fasting anyway. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Why does Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie have to jump around? I feel really uncomfortable. Because that's how they worship? Amen. Find some freedom. You, you, you jump and dance at concerts. <gasps> but it's, it's amazing what we'll throw penalty flags at in church. But you do it for the world. I wish he would have church once a month. Because I, I want to sleep in. And I'm tired. Pastor, have you ever considered changing how your service runs? Can you do worship last and do preaching first? Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. I'll give you one more real quick. And this is not, listen, don't get offended with me. Somebody, don't get offended with what I'm saying. If it fits you, fix it. Amen. But if it doesn't fit you, let it fall off. Okay? But this is the other one I love. Worship's going on, right? Worship's going on. This is what I see. Sometimes. Penalty. Too long. It's amazing to me what's happened in the church. We've had to adjust the culture of church based on feelings. 
God don't care about your feelings. He cares about you ending the race in eternity. Shut up about your feelings. If you need to be pet, go put a fur outfit on and call yourself a cat. <laughs> cat people, don't be offended because dogs are just as bad. You put your hand out there like, got to get to his hand. Touch me. My wife used to get mad at me because the dog that we had, she would do that and I wouldn't pet her. Pet her. No, I am creating a culture in that dog to need to be pet. No, I will pet that dog when I'm ready to pet it. There is no four-legged animal on this planet that's going to deem, tell me what I got to do in this life. No, you're a dog, so you're going to stay a dog, be a dog. And all the PETA people are like, Phil. Oh, Father, help us. Look, we, we, we come to church. Look, <laughs> I left the tag on it so I can return it after the service. Anyway. I don't plan on keeping it. Amen. It didn't fit me. I'm sorry. I got to return it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> should, should I tell him, Kirk? Kirk and I were at breakfast yesterday morning. He goes, you can just keep it for next year's Halloween costume. As a joke. He, you catch what I'm saying? Because I... I teach the truths of Halloween and that, yeah, got it, I got it, okay, good, got it, okay, he was, he was being funny, amen, and then I crowd foul, and that's where we got us, amen, um, we, we've got to take a stand, we've got to take a stand, so let me give you two, two spaces of scripture, I'm not going to be much longer, let me give you two spaces of scripture so you can understand what the word says about you as a believer, you ready for this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and if any of you are wondering, this is New Testament, this is under grace, not under law, so you don't get to fight with me about this, this is the old stuff, this is when God came out of the woods and smited people, this, no, this is New Testament, this is under Jesus, watch yourself, the book of Galatians, here it comes, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, y'all got freaked out, like he just said Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, imitate who? Oh, help us, Father. Not, 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 not society? Not culture? Not the world's views? No. Imitate who? Come on, work with me this morning. Imitate who? Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of who? Okay, I'm working with you. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Hmm. Just stop right there. What do, what's, the, what's the face people make when you walk around the room? Or is it? What's that? Here goes verse 3. Here it comes. And I'm not doing this to offend you, but I'm doing this to challenge you to live according to the word. Here it comes. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Now, this is not, listen to me, listen to me. This is not judgment on those who have made those mistakes. This is saying, here's the truth of the word of God. And from this point forward, I need you to accept the responsibility of living according to the word. This is not to condemn you. Let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Because this is, what the, this is why the church doesn't throw flags anymore. Because, Pastor Dylan, come here for a second. Just stand right there. Uh, this is what the church does. This is what, the church doesn't throw a flag into a situation. The church goes like this. I challenge you, you sinner, you heathen, you demon-possessed dirtbag. And then we go, I worship you. Look how much the Lord loves me. 
The truth of the matter is the challenge flag was never created for you to throw at people. It was created to throw in the vicinity of their sin to create light to the darkness so that they can see how to now come out of it. But the responsibility of the one who throws the flag is to go to the person that's in it and go, hey, bub, I love you too much for you to stay in this. Let's walk out of this. And the church goes, I don't want to throw a flag because I don't want to offend. If you're doing it to offend people, you are not walking in the love of God. You are walking in the ego of yourself. And the reason you're throwing it at people is because you don't want nobody to see your backyard. Truth of the matter is, is that the challenge flag is not to challenge the person. It's to challenge the snare that the person got locked up into. But you better have a plan on how to get them out. Because here's the problem. We're either throwing the challenge flag because we're too holy. Or we're throwing the foul flag and leaving them to die in their mess. Oh, you go, I hope you make it. Hey, I'll be praying for you over on this side. Hope to see you one day. Rather than getting them and rescuing them out. Thank you, Pastor Dylan. It's got to change. It's got to be shifted. It says here, it says, offer themselves sacrifice. Uh, verse 3, let there be no sexual morality, impurity, or greed among you. And I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you. When I say these scriptures, when I read these scriptures out loud, people get weird. Oh, God, he's mad at me. No, I bind that thought in you right now. That is not what it was put there for. It was put there so that you could gain greater wisdom and live the life God is calling you to. He is calling you to a greater place in him, not in you. It is not to condemn you. It is not to berate you. It is not to beat you down. It is that you might find out the heart of the Father and find the love that he has for you and walk in it and be at peace and be at joy. No more heartbreaks. No more bad moments. No more depression. No more fear. No more anxiety anxiety, no more worries, but let just rest in the peace of God. He says there's no more. He says obscene stories. Oh, help us. Foolish talk, coarse jokes, perverted jokes. These are not for you. That's your word says. They're not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Watch verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't be fooled by the ones who accept sin as a part of life. Don't be fooled by the ones who make excuses for sinful behavior when they know the truth. Well, I just, I just had a moment. No, you made a choice. Don't be fooled by it. But, 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 but it goes like this. Don't be fooled by the ones who excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. This is New Testament talking about the anger of God. God, I wish I, wish I had a church that would see what I'm saying. This is a New Testament talking about the anger of God. God doesn't get angry. That's why he said Jesus. So he could just love, 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 love. He's still God. But yet we've dismissed the Father, we've abandoned the Holy Spirit, and we've just taken on the brotherhood of Jesus. You want to know why? Because it's easy to tell the brother to go away. It's hard to tell Daddy that I don't want to be a son. (sighs) Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Okay, I went through all that. Verse 8, for once you were full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. This light 
The light of Christ produces. It's the only thing that produces what is good, what is right, and what is true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Be willing to walk out that movie that you know Jesus didn't walk in with you. Be willing to turn off the TV because God got up off the couch. Be willing to check yourself about what you tell your spouse and make sure it sounds like what God speaks over her too or him. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, what does it say there? Instead, do what? Challenge. That, see, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Come back again, Pastor Dylan. Come back, Pastor Dylan. Come back again. Stand right there. This is exposure in the church. You bad guy. Hold on. Some of y'all missed that. I want to do it again. It's the great thing about being a senior pastor. You get to beat up on the youth pastor. Amen. He does it to his kids, so don't feel bad. All right. This is what we do. We go, oh, I see you, you sinner. I worship you. I am great. I do miracles. So look at, look at, I led him out. I exposed him in his sin. Look, world, look, look. I'm going to post his face on Facebook. Look, a sinner. God, if I had a picture of you in your sin days and put it on the internet, you'd freak out. Can I just say this real quick? Be careful when you expose someone else because God will expose you. Trust me, I've learned that one firsthand. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Here's what I've learned over the years. I've learned to expose myself. Can I give you a little quick side story? It's kind of a funny story. When, uh, when we took over, when we, when we got our building on Highway 11, the first Sunday we moved into the building, I had a dude standing out in the parking lot with packets of my past. Oh, it was epic. He had my arrest pictures. He had my, my, my background check. He ran it all. He was handing out packets as people walk into church. Do you know who's taking over the building? Man, I, walked, I said, can y'all get me a packet? I want to read it. Maybe there's some good stuff in there. You want to know why it never affected the church? Because I've been telling on myself for a long time. Because the devil doesn't get a win in that area of my life. I expose those dirty places because he doesn't get. I'm free. But I'm going to expose him. It's amazing to me what we do. It says expose them. It does not mean hurt people. It doesn't mean judge people. It is be a light in their darkness and go get them. Give it back to me. I'll call you back in a few minutes. Amen. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse sin. Do all these things. It says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Watch this. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. I'm not writing this. This is your Bible. It is ungodly, shameful to even talk about those. And the things that ungodly people do in secret. You know what he's talking about? Gossip. The thing the church is really good at. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let me give you one more. You get anything out of this yet this morning? Good. Galatians, the book of Galatians. Staying for the New Testament. Because i got to defeat the thought process in the church today. Because when you start pulling Old Testament scripture and you start showing how God has laid some law down, everybody's like, that's Old Testament. That's not for me. I'm a New Testament believer. Man, could you imagine how thin the Bible would be if we just got rid of the whole first book? The whole first section? Get rid of the Old Testament. Ah, I'm going to get rid of it. 
Watch. Galatians. You got Galatians? Almost done. Pastor Ben, you can come on. Galatians chapter 6. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, anybody ever been overcome by some sin? Okay. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, you have any godly people in the room? Be careful with your hand. I was like, I don't know anymore. I'm really concerned. I don't know what to do in this moment. I got awkward hands. Okay. It says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I didn't write it. Don't be mad at somebody. Write a letter to the Lord today. Because I only gave you scripture. All of this to say this. Saints game doesn't matter. I know it does, but it doesn't. Okay, I get it. Feelings are hurt. You feel robbed. You feel cheated. Get it. Been a fan. I understand it. Okay. But I had a hard time this week. Judah, come here. thought of ending his life for my own is incomprehensible. And let me tell you this. I have friends and family members that have had abortions. I know people that have had abortions. I have a friend named Cindy Collins who deals with people who want to have abortions. If you've had an abortion, there's no condemnation in you. I'm praying for you. That God will heal your heart because I understand you're broken right now. But this law that was passed the other day in New York while we were all screaming about a Saints game. While the world was screaming about a Saints game. A bill was underpassed that now the 24-week line says, no, you can have an abortion whenever you want now. And if you don't believe me, you go, Pastor, you didn't read it. Well, I read every line of that bill five different times to make sure that I didn't miss a beat of it. It says now that you don't even have to be a medical professional to give an abortion. You can just give an abortion. If you consider yourself trained in this area, you've gone through the certification of being trained in this area, you can actually now in New York be trained to be an abortionist. And then it says in the law, it says, if there is any viable reason on behalf of the person that is carrying the child, that they do not want the child, they can have abortion up to full term. In other words, 15 minutes before he's born, I can kill him just because I don't think I can handle it. What are we doing? And then the church sits back quietly and says, no, we're just going to love those people who feel that way. Why can't we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute and bring light into the situation 
and then go, come here, come here, come here. Can I just spend some time with you? Listen, I understand the weight of the world. I understand the struggles and the fears that you might be having in this moment. But can we just talk about this? I'm not talking about the decisions that you have to make on a deathbed of who's going to live and who's going to die because of a, a, a physical anomaly uh, uh, that you can't deal with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the decision to destroy life because you just don't want to do it. Because let me tell you something, and I, and I want you to understand this. The majority of abortions in America today are not done based on living or dying. They are done on the basis of want or not wanting. That is the truth of it. And if you go look it up, you will find out that, well, I don't remember what the total number was. Was It was like one in every 300 abortions are done because of the life of the mother. In a severe moment of death, because if she has the child, she'll bleed out and die. And they have to decide. One's going to have to live. One's going to have to die. And then they decide to do that. They decide to abort the child because they can't. One's going to have to go. I'm not talking about those moments. I'm referring to the ones that now we have created a culture that just says, I'll crawl up in the bed, make a baby, and then disregard the life. Life starts at inception. And I don't know if you get that yet. But if you go and find the bead of a baby and you stick a sonogram to that sucker, that heart is beating. That means there is life in that bean. We go, no, we don't need it. Can we go a little further? I saw a video when I was 14 years old called The Silent Scream. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It'll freak you out. But I watched them go to abort a baby. I watched the sonogram of the abortion. And in the process of them trying to kill the baby, the baby was trying to climb out of the womb. And in the last minute, oh, no, see, here's the problem. Y'all don't want me to talk about this stuff. No, pastor, don't give us the gruesome details. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon his flesh. A crown of thorns was stuck in his head, pierced to his brow. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He was stuck nails in his hands and his feet. He was pierced in his side. You can tell that story, but pastor, please don't tell the story of a dead baby. It's the same thing. We're crucifying God's creations. In that movie, I watched that baby's mouth scream in silence. And this week, God says, will you become a voice? It's more than a Facebook post. It's more than social. God, it's more. When someone asks you, how do you believe? Listen, I don't believe in abortion. I believe in, I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life. I believe in life at inception. I will not waver on that. You don't like me. You don't like what I said today. I'm sorry. I'm never going to change it for you. Because it's my choice for life that brought this one and three others into this world. And let me tell you something. There have been moments in my life that I didn't feel like I could be a good daddy to him. There were moments in my life, even before he was born, that I thought I might even fail him because of my past. But there was a God that says, but I've given him to you so that I can redeem you from your past. And if you can't handle it, let someone else have it. Bring it into this world and let someone love it. Pastor, you don't, you don't know all the situating circumstances. I do understand one thing, that life comes from God. Do you understand how much I'd have missed out if I didn't have the last 11 years with this kid? Trust me, I want to beat him sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is my boy, my firstborn. I love all the rest of my kids, but God, him and I have a bond. I'm not his best friend, just in case you were wondering. I'm his daddy. That's what I'm called to be. But I 
couldn't imagine what it would have been like to not have him. When are we going to take a stand? Houston? When are we going to take a stand? Pick a flag. I will not accept the world's standards. I will accept the Lord's. I will challenge everything else. If it is contrary to my walk as a believer, I will challenge it. Somebody asked me years ago, Pastor, are you Republican or Democrat? I said, I'm neither. I'm Bible. That's what I am. I'm Bible. Let me just say this in closing. You can either put off the jersey. I mean, you can take off the, uh, the referee jersey and you can put the team jersey on or you can keep being a ref. But understand, in order to wear the jersey, you've got to bring the tools. As a football player, your tool is your helmet, your pads. Without those, you're going to be in some trouble. <laughs> but as a believer, you have one tool, and that's your word. And what this word says, I will not waver on. I will hold true to the word of God. I will not hold true to opinions and feelings and emotion. What my word says is what I'll live. And when I'm done in this race, well done, thou good, faithful servant, enter into the glory of the Lord. I'm challenging you. I'm evicting you. Take your place. Be counted. Stop hiding in corners. Stop trying to not have a voice. I don't have an opinion. God did not come into your life so you could be you could be godless or wordless. I don't have a say in that. That's not my place. Are you foolish? If Christ dwells in you, you have a place. Speak up. But can I just tell you this? Be careful that you don't speak your opinion. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. If it's your opinion, it's not going to work. Speak the word. Give them truth. Give them light. And everyone will lead out. They will follow those who bring the light into the situation. They will not follow those who bring opinions into the situation. This is how we become the church again. My prayer right now, right now, this whole week has been, God, make us become a voice in the earth again. Make them come see us before they make decisions because they understand that the weight of the world is dependent on the godliness that operates in it. Everybody stand to your feet. time, that's okay. You're going to be all right. Okay. I figured I'd do it for you. Amen. This is not to hurt you. This is to strengthen you. How do we go ye therefore into all the world and preach the good news if we don't even believe the good news? If we don't live the good news? But I have to say this because I feel the weight of this in this moment. There are those of you in this room that have made bad decisions. You know it. I don't have to tell you. I don't need to stand up here and be like, you're a sinner. I don't need to do all that. You know because you feel the condemnation over it when you did it. You've been trying to run away from it. I need you to understand in this moment that we stand right here as a family. There is no one in this room that is greater than you. Not me. Not anybody on this platform. We are all sinners saved by grace. Thank God for his grace. And for me, thank God for his mercy and everything else. Okay. But you stand in this room and you're like, man, Pastor, I, I, I've made some of these decisions you're talking about, and I've messed up. 
you're never too far to receive him. Trust me, I tried it as many ways as I could. Tried to run as far as I could. Tried to make as bad, many bad decisions as I could. And every time I turned around, he was always right there like this. Come on. Come on. No matter how far you get away from, no matter how far you get away from your sin, you're always reminded of what he's done for you. And he wants to do the same thing for you. There is zero condemnation in this room. There is the love of God, which draws man to repentance. It is the love of God that draws men and women to repentance. So with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, altar team, if you'll come, those of you that are on today, spread out across this front. If you stand in this place today and you say, Pastor, I want to remove sin from my life because I want to be that stance for the kingdom of God. If that's you in this place, and I'm going to ask you just to hang loose for just a moment. That's you. You do me a favor. No one's looking around, and I don't care if you've been saved your whole life. You're a leader in the church. You're a staff member in this church. If I don't care what you do. You're the sound booth. I don't care where you are. If that's you, you do me a favor. Don't look around because then you're judging folk. Get your yellow flag back out. This, this, is, you, this is you right now. Say, Pastor, there's some things that I got to change. God, there's some things I got to change, and I'm changing them today. I'm not leaving this place till they're changed. If that's you, just lift your right hand. That's me, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong for this. See, well, you know what caused you to just lift your hands? That's the love of God. He just said, it's okay. It's okay. I got you. I got you in this. I'm not beating you down. I got you in this. You don't have to do this alone any longer. Now, now I'm, I'm keeping this altar call moment open for just a moment longer with your eyes closed because there's some of you that are battling on the inside because you're afraid that if you lift your hand, judgment's coming. Judgment's not coming. Peace is, joy is, rest is. That's what's coming towards you right now. So one more time, if that's you in this place, lift that right hand as high as we go past that knee. Yep, I knew it was a couple more. Good. Now put your hand down, watch this, watch. Watch, now look at me, everybody look at me. Those of you who raised your hand, you know who knows about it? The Bible says confess your sins one to another, but it doesn't say that you have to listen to the opinions of another. You have to fall in the space what God wants to do in you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, because I did this altar call already this week, because there was things in my life God got me to check on. If you're in this place, if that's me, I need to walk away from sin. I'm going to ask you to do something. And this, is, this, this will get you your red flag today. You'll leave your yellow flag because your yellow flag is in your seat. Say, Pastor, that's me. I got to change some things. Will you just come and join me right here? Just come join me right here for a second. Pastor, they're going to all see me. I already saw you, so it's okay. Come on. Come and stand right here. Stand right here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand. You still want to come. Come on. This is such a cool moment. I love this moment. Because I'm, I'm not going to mess with y'all. I'm going to mess with them. Come on, squeeze in, squeeze in. Help him, Pastor Troy. Squeeze him in. Family gets close and tight. Mm. Oh, put your deodorant on today. Amen. <laughs> now watch this. Watch, 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 watch. 
response. Ready? Ready? Them staying in the fight is your responsibility. Pastor, you didn't tell. No, it's yours. You want to know why? Because if you run your mouth about these, you're just as guilty. We should be celebrating these moments. Not going, up. I knew it. I knew they were. I knew it. I knew it. I knew my discerner was working. The spirit was speaking to me. I knew they were a sinner. Watch this. You should be running your butt to this altar right now because you are a sinner. Because I told you gossip is not allowed. Go home and put it on Facebook, tell the world. You think I haven't seen some foolishness over the years? It's your responsibility now. You that sit in your seat and declare that you are a righteous believer, holding the word of God to be true, standing upon the completion of it from Genesis to Revelations. You now, it says here, can I read that scripture to you last, the last bit? I got to find my notes here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Your brothers and sisters, I'm talking to y'all. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help those people back to the right path. Now watch what I'm about to do. Ready? If you're in your seat, come stand behind these people. Watch. You're going to feel it. Your family's coming. Family's coming. They won't let you die. They got you. They got you. You don't have to do this alone. That's not what this is about. This is how the church should look. When a sinner comes to Christ, family goes, I'm in. Tag, I'm in. I got to go. Where are you going? My family's at the altar. They're getting with Jesus, and I'm so excited. I'm going to go stand with them because I want to see them succeed in this thing. I won't let them die. You who are godly should gently, humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in that way be obedient to the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. What's this? See, I saw you come up here and I saw it. I saw the pain of it. I failed did it again, man. You know how many times I've come to God? <laughs> Please do not think it was a one and done for this guy. It was like a 30 plus, at least. I tested every level of God's patience. Trust me when I tell you. Where is he at? Is he in this room? Papa, where are you? Come here. Come upstairs. Come here. Stand behind me. Put your hands on my shoulders. Every time I made a mistake, every time I was lost and broken, this guy wouldn't let me go backwards. It's not that my mama wouldn't let me or my grandmother. This was the male in my life growing up. And just recently, I, you know, my grandfather always jokes about he's going to live forever, which we all kind of agree with him. Papa's just going to live forever. But I know that's not reality. One day, 
will go be the Lord. And I've had to come to this understanding that I have to copy this behavior. Judah, come here. Come stand right here. Don't fall. I won't let him go back. He's wanted to quit even at 11. And it's getting worse and worse for kids that are growing up. I refuse to let him fall by the wayside and then complain how my son isn't living for God. We together love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when he grows weary, come on, Bo. We can do this. What just happened when you came to this altar, you thought you came by yourself. But the family has now joined you. This is what church should be. I got you. And I'll push you. Because we're going to cross this finish line together. You're not broken. Those of you that came to this altar, you're not broken. You're righteous. And in this moment, you're made whole. You're healed. You're delivered. Don't look over your shoulder. Because if you do, all you're going to see is family behind you cheering you on. It's not a lonely place anymore, baby. You got family. I got family. You got family. Let's be a family. For the person that's standing in front of you, put your hand out on the shoulder in front of you. And this is how we'll close. Nothing greater than to feel the touch someone knowing they got you. So Father, for everybody in this room, from the front to the back, Father, I declare that this is a church that will rise. This is a church that will declare. This is a church that will decree. This is a church that will sound like heaven. This is a church that will hold according to your word. This is a church that will declare your truths in the earth. This is a church that will be led by you, guided by you, strengthened by you, challenged by you, and hold true to every promise and every guideline that you've laid in your word for us as believers. Father, help us to stop throwing penalty flags and decide that you've called us to challenge when it's against your word, to stand true to your word, to be a believer, not just in Sunday moments, but every day of our lives. For those that came up today and said, Pastor, I've got sin. I bind that spirit of sin. I break its shackles. I break its tentacles. Father, not only do I break it off of their lives, but I declare it over their families' lives and over their children's lives. I declare every crooked path to be made straight in the name of Jesus. I declare what once was is no longer, and what is now will be the thing that carries them into the future, that they will stop looking backwards but marching forward because their eyes are focused on you. Father, speak to their hearts this week. Challenge them in areas that need to be changed so that they can walk in the fullness of you. But God, they will not do it alone because this week, God, we will be praying for, standing with, and believing for great things for those that came to the altar today. Today, Father, the curse of sin is broken. And God, you reign on high. 
Embrace them in this moment. Hold them. Love them. Let them know that you're real and that they don't have to do it on their own. Father, I declare these things not only over those that came to the altar first, but all of us. That we're the righteousness of you. We're the fulfillment of your promise. And we will walk as such with our head lifted high and our shoulders squared back, knowing that you've called us to great things. Father, today we decide to be challenged flag throwers, to join the team, and to see your power and your presence reign in our lives. We give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.